Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by Dogman. Presented by Cinema Made in Italy and Magnolia Pictures. It's a sly crime thriller from the award-winning director of Gamora, winner of the Best Actor Award from the 2018 Cannes Film Festival and the European Film Awards. Dogman tells a story of vengeance where only the strong will survive. Winner of nine Italian Oscars, including Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, and Actor. The Guardian calls Dogman a movie with incomparable bite and strength. Now playing in New York and Los Angeles. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, I would love for us to just talk about our vacations from the past two weeks because Japan is beautiful this time of year. But and so is Ireland. <laughs> I'm sure we have other stuff going on. You're in Vegas right now. Hit ra- the ground running. <laughs> CinemaCon. Yeah, I hope you didn't lose too much money at the slots in between all these. Not a, a chance. I've, I've played poker at the Palm in the past, but uh, I uh, I have too much to do. Me, me too. And when the cinema when um, uh, CineVegas used to be a thing, it used to be very dangerous to see all these indie film people at the slots all at once. But that's a story for another time. Um, so so let's talk about CinemaCon because it's been an interesting year a lot of the narratives that we anticipated playing out seem to have and one of the things that i found really striking was your reporting on the much anticipated disney conversation which obviously is their first presentation after finishing their acquisition of fox and it sounded like it was kind of schizophrenic in a way that's the right word eric that's actually the word i've been using um it, it it's last year was so moving when fox had its last presentation, it really felt, everybody was wearing black, and it really felt very um, sad. And now uh, the industry is very aware that about 4,000 people are losing their jobs. And one of them is this guy, Chris Aronson, who's the head of distribution, used to be at Fox, who's losing his job. And, and he's here. He's wandering around. And, uh, and it's, it's a very, uh, the, the presentation itself was muted and kind of downbeat. And Alan Horn, the chairman of uh, Disney, seemed sort of, um, here's the thing, these people have been rivals. They've been competing. They have to learn to play together. How in hell, you you don't do that overnight. But the other thing, the other thing, and Emma Watts, who's the head of Fox, who presented uh, a really great trailer, by the way, for Ford versus Ferrari, describing it as the kind of movie that is an endangered species. And what she means by that is a movie that only a studio can make with stars like Matt Damon and Christian Bale, James Mangold uh, directing, you know, big race car, you know, uh, Le Mans, you know, crunching tires, you know, big scale. And and um, and I was really struck by how good the movie looked, but also that this is the kind of movie they've given. They've they've eliminated Fox 2000. They didn't promote any of those movies. They didn't do presentations for them. 
are they going to be orphan children? Are they going to give them the full, you know, they've, they're holding on to the marketing teams for Fox and distribution, but they've gotten rid of their bosses and they're all, now they're answering to Disney bosses. And maybe no relationship to this work. Nor are they invested in it. That's what you mean. They yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't care. So, so it's going to be really difficult to sort of bring everybody on board. I mean, it's one thing to make a business decision and say, okay, we're going to dominate the market. We're going to have over 40% of, of the movies in the market. And when you look at all those labels, and you look at Pixar, you know, Lucasfilm, you know, now they have Fox. Well, Fox isn't a label. Fox is a studio. With its own identity and its history and a, a lot of- A different culture. A different culture. I was baffled by your reporting that uh, there was a knock on the shape of water at, at, in the middle of this presentation, which was, you know, a big success for Fox Searchlight. I mean, That's they did thing. really well with that kind of stuff. What I was picking up, and I, I mean, I, I'm just a person reading the tea leaves as I see them, but it, it felt, it almost felt like there was a little bit of envy of Fox Searchlight. You know, they've had four Best Picture Oscars in 10 years, right? And so Alan Horn was injecting like a slight note of uh, of authenticity at that moment. He's giving the big speech, he's being um, looking at the teleprompter or whatever, and he just sort of threw in this aside. I'm sure he didn't intend to insult them. <laughs> Probably had to make some apology calls. It was, almost, it was almost like he was saying, what's the shape of water? What does that mean? You know, he was just being, you know, trying to make an aside. But, but, but it almost is as though the real feelings came through, that maybe this guy who's running this enormous operation. He has to keep track of Marvel and Lucas and all these people. You know, he's got a he's got a, a Pixar animation, all these things. And and he's got to keep everything on track. And this huge thing is being thrown at him, including the, the decisions to of who to fire and who to keep and how to make it work. I, I, I can't imagine that this is something he volunteered for, honestly. Well, and then I have to assume in a room full of people who are in the business of theatrical exhibition, they're not even touching the whole Disney Plus streaming of it all, which is so an this open is, question. Right. So this is the whole question that, that you know, behind the scenes, um, I mean, reporting on this is a, sort of an interesting uh, thing because you can get some people to talk to you on background, off the record or whatever, and... And then you run into a group of people having drinks late at night, like Jim Giannopoulos of Paramount. He used to be the chairman of Fox, you know, I mean, and, and, and he's hanging out with folks from Fox and he's hanging out from, with folks from Paramount. I mean, it's, it's who used to work at Fox. I mean, it's like this thing going on. It's real. It's human beings is the point. You know, people with relationships, people who worked hard and did a good job and didn't deserve to to lose their jobs. Uh, it's just it's, and, and you and you can't get people to really uh, address these content issues. Yes, there's a real risk that some of these movies, when they start really getting into production, aren't going to end up in theaters at all. They're going to end up on these over the top services. And this could happen at Warner's too, when they get underway. Right. It could happen at Universal certain, as well. It's, it's all possible. For, for, as somebody who pays attention to, to smaller movies that actually benefit from what VOD platforms can do for them, theoretically this could be exciting, but it, it's, it's daunting because you think about how much time and effort would actually be put into these movies versus others. I mean, I've heard that the same PR team, 
that's working on Disney films is expected to handle whatever Disney Plus is going to offer, which might be a movie a month or something like that. Maybe not that much, but also not going to be a big priority when you have to deal with Marvel and Star Wars all the exactly. time. Exactly. This is a very valid point, and this is, it relates to what I was saying before. Part of the, the whole distribution thing that goes on, and it, it, the theaters are a very important part of it, and they're excited. They're going to get some of this great project, product. But marketing is, is a key component of all of this. And you need everybody firing on all cylinders and understanding the projects and putting, everybody's going to be fighting for resources. That's what's going to happen. If you have this many movies, so first of all, they have to get them all out the door. And then the question is, what are they going to produce? What are the new movies going to be? And where are they going to go? And if Fox Searchlight is, they look in better shape in some ways because they're so different. They're, they're completely separate from anything that Disney does. And you can see that they value them as a value added. You know, Searchlight is what it is, and it's different from anything at Disney. But Fox is, it, you know, Sean Bailey runs Disney production. Emma Watts runs Fox production. In what way are they not going to be rivals? Rivals yeah. for resources, rivals. Filmmakers. Absolutely. For hot projects. I mean, and the other thing is like, if they're, you know, they're going to make a gajillion dollars with Lion King or whatever, why do they care about, you know, Fox Searchlight wanting to do something really interesting or ambitious with this or that or the other thing? On the other so, hand, you could see that you could say that Sean Bailey and the and the Hollywood um, the, the, his Disney thing, which oh, by the way, so the footage, the footage of of Aladdin looked kind of awful. All right, they they no finally showed there. a big musical number with Will Smith singing and lots of Haza, you know, song and dance, lots of VFX, lot, over the top, completely Don't over be, the top. I, I feel like I can see that movie in my head from start to no, finish. No, it now. was it was it was garish. And then, and then you have, and then you have the Lion King, and that looks incredible. And that begs the question: Is it a, a live-action remake of an animated film, or an animated remake of an animated film? Well, but it has performances, <laughs> right? That'll be an interesting conversation. It has voice performances. But is it, there, there were actual, they were capturing performances as well, too, right? There's an element of motion capture. Yeah, in the they're animation. animals. They're animals. They're, <laughs> they're lions and tigers and bears. I mean, they're not, they're not humanoids. Um, I, uh, that's a good question, but that, that's it's well, it VFX. comes up with Andy Serkis every year. Give you know? John Favreau the VFX Oscar now. Um, it looks incredible. It was beautiful. Really, that, beautiful. that was sort of expected. It sounds like you guys also got a really hefty look at Toy Story 4, which I was yeah, surprised. That's an interesting thing because Toy Story is such a great movie, and, such, and they managed to pull it out with Toy Story 3, a really, really great movie. So how do they go on to another one? And so there's Woody and Buzz and and it's 17 minutes of, of the beginning of the movie, basically, where they're playing with the little girl, Bonnie, and she's going off to kindergarten, and it's a whole new world, and Woody's role is, is challenged. And uh, it feels familiar. I mean, but I'm going to go into a Pixar universe any day. You know, never underestimate Pixar. And it's the thing about it is it's like it just has to be good enough on a certain level because the Pixar brand is, has not been... Uh, you know, their track record has been maybe a little bit more spotty of late, but it, it, it's just, it, it can't, it can't be terrible. If it's, if it's, if it works as a Toy Story movie at this point, that seems like that's what audiences want to see. I'm sure that's what theater owners want to see and, and they'll make good money on it in that respect. So, you know, the, the other movie that, that was interesting to, to see the behind the scenes footage of, which was at the, um, 
Universal presentation. And I thought Universal and Warner's both had solid presentations. Um, they brought in stars. They entertained us. I mean, for Unusual. me, <laughs> for me, Tiffany Haddish, Haddish and, and Kevin Hart coming out with the, the, the Shih Tzu. And of course, they played around with that, you know, a little dog, a little white dog. And then uh, they're promoting um, the the secret world of pets too, right? Uh, the animated movie. And Kevin Hart has a rabbit, a white rabbit. That's like terrorizing his suit and, and burrowing into him and trying to climb off his shoulder. <laughs> He's like riffing on it. I'm still laughing. It was the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. Might may or may not work as a feature length experience. But... Well, yeah, that's an animated film. Anyway, and then no, but uh, cats is the question, uh -huh. right? So Tom Hooper, um, not everybody's favorite, you know, cuddly filmmaker. Uh, he's never it, been much of a cuddly filmmaker, actually. No, he's he's a very good filmmaker, but there are those who like Les Mis and those who don't, right? And uh, and so he's taking it another level. He's a big, big scale. They showed all this behind-the-scenes footage, and they brought out Jennifer Hudson to sing in a beautiful white gown, Memory. She plays Grizabella. And she, but you don't see how they look because they're all motion-captured. They're all wearing the dots and everything and wearing normal, cl normal clothes while they do these elaborate dance routines and sing and, and all that and because it's all VFX and, and they're going to actually apply fur on them, the cat well, outfits. I mean, all of this stuff, that, that sounds ridiculous to me. I've never seen the play and I'm a cat person and that sounds like overload to me. But the, the movie that, that I've been reading about that sounds most intriguing is the one that I think a lot of our readers were most excited about, which is Joker, because this is a movie that looks like it's sort of less superhero than psychological thriller or something. And yeah. people are excited about it. It looks fantastic. It looked fantastic. In other and words, it looks like a real world, uh, dark, um, you know, and, and, and a character piece. And Joaquin Phoenix is is going for it. And it's it's got that kind of back to Nolan style, dark night world. Very, very uh, creepy. Right. I mean, that's what I'm wondering is, 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 does that translate into this feels like it could play like a big superhero movie or is it kind of a mid-sized character study kind of a thing? I mean, is this a big movie? Because I would the, say that of all the movies we saw this week, The Lion King, I mean, going in, you would have predicted this, but I mean, of course, Avengers Endgame, you know, everyone's there. That's that's not an issue. But and it will be the biggest grossing movie of the year and, you know, go home. It, it's fine. I, I, I'm there, too. I want to see what happens. You know, what happened to all those people? Did they do they come back or not? You know, but but um, but the uh, but the one the Joker was by far the most extraordinary reaction. Yeah. Huge. It should be very interesting to see what happens there. So in any case, the elephant in every room must have been Netflix, which was defended by the MPAA in one talk that you covered, but well, it doesn't it, seem it, like it, that helped. It, 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 they just welcomed Netflix into the MPAA, and Rifkin, Charles, this guy who's the head of the MPAA, called, referred to Netflix as one of the six studios who were members of the MPAA. And I don't think that went over very well. Here, yeah. The, the, the theaters are really freaked out. But what I learned at on this trip, um, they're freaked out by Netflix. Netflix is 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 a is a threat, and and they see it as a threat, and they are very very upset that they just don't want to play ball the and do it the way the other studios do it. That's what they want. 
they the, the theaters want Netflix to play ball. And so I thought there might be some, you know, with Irishmen coming and, and a lack of product and it, it, what that they would the theaters would be there would be talks or there would be apparently Scott Stuber of Netflix has been meeting behind the scenes um, with theater owners and Apple has as well. And, and there's lots of different talks going on, talks about the premium VOD or PVOD window, which, which would, you know, reduce the window down and create a new window where you would have, you'd pay extra to get a movie early um, on your, on your online, you know? Um, and, and that's something a lot of people are interested in. What I figured out is that they're never going to abandon the supposed 88, whatever it is, day window, um, 90 day window, which is an average and it's not a real number and it's not firm. Okay. So what I learned is that, is that uh, it's, it's a movable thing that people can go in and go out with different windows. And, and, and as long as they're in the game, as long as they're always playing ball with the theater owners, it's when you don't, when you're Netflix, that they get upset. Does yeah, that make I mean, sense? It's, it's almost like Netflix has, has taken on this representational quality. Yeah. No matter, yeah. you They're know. the boogeyman. They're which, the dark Which is ironic. Like we were talking side. about Disney Plus before. What's going to happen at CinemaCon when that launches and they're, you know. See, they the believe that Disney's the world, that because Disney's the biggest distributor and has blockbusters and invest in, is invested in maximizing all the returns that it would get from all of its movies, that they will be firmly in, in their court and, and they can count on them. Um, my, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen tomorrow, but eventually if the business model dictates that movies go up over the top and don't go into theaters, that's what Disney will do. Well, also, I mean, Netflix, it, this may be where a lot of people are heading and, and maybe Netflix just got there faster, but, it, but it's, it's still playing with theatrical ideas and creating theatrical events and whatever happens with the Irishman, we don't know what that screen count is going to look like. But it's, it's going to be like, indie theaters, Eric. It's yeah, going to be I mean, an enhanced version, maybe an improved version of of what they of what Netflix did with Roma. More robust, perhaps, and at yeah. least to the extent that you could you could market that as a theatrical event. I mean, I would almost argue that it would be in the in Netflix's favor to be at a place like this and say, okay, we're not doing what all these other people are doing, but we are using theaters in a, in a big way, and we 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 expect people will show up to these things, to at least well, engage with that. To, one, to, one, to, to a certain extent, as, as much as I'm worried uh, about the theaters and, and their, their kind of head in the sand approach to the Windows issue, which I consider to be a real problem for them, I am reminded here, I mean, it's like <laughs> they drum it into your head, but I am reminded that when you have a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody or uh, especially or, or even uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out or Us or, or you know, movies that have a real um, audience component, how important or, or Crazy Rich Asians, John Chu came out and, and made a whole point about what an impact Crazy Rich Asians had that it would never have had on Netflix. And they're right. Of course they're right to build word of mouth and to build awareness and to build a, an event out of, out of these movies that really play with audiences is, is something only theaters can do. 
Um, and I'm, I'm totally in favor of that, obviously. I love movies and I love movies in theaters. My concern is really about this Windows issue, which it, it feels like um, these people should all figure out how to get along. And I don't see any way that they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take some sort of new job for somebody to be a negotiator with all these different sides because everybody's so, so you know, they, they really dig their heels and they don't want to give up. I was ground. sort of attracted by the idea that, that's, that, there, that there are people who are playing that role. Um, you know, people slightly on the side, the, the Apple people or, or, or the IMAX people or, or whatever. Um, and, and because there's these, these antitrust issues and, and the theaters and, and, the, and the studios can't, can't talk to each other directly in a group. So that it's all these sort of individual transactions and negotiations that go on for specific deals. And that's how these things move. It's a fascinating, moving, evolving Thing. And I don't think it's as disastrous as many of us feared. I mean, they did have a record-breaking box yeah. office last year. Theaters are alive, and, the, and 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 people still like going to theaters. And and there's plenty of stuff that's being made for them by all kinds of different companies. The money's there. It's just a question of you know, is this battleground going to kind of settle down for a bit, or are we kind of on the verge of a much bigger spat? It'll be interesting to see the global side of this, obviously, in a couple of weeks because. Can is just around the corner. Today they just confirmed the date in April when they'll be announcing the lineup. And so obviously we know there won't be any Netflix movies there, but who knows what else will be kicked up once people start scrutinizing the various release strategies of the films there. In any case, I know you have to run to more CinemaCon stuff, so thank you for squeezing in some time in your hotel room. And oh, again, welcome back, Eric. I missed you. <laughs> we haven't talked in a while. Exactly. By the way, Kate Erbland was here with me, and we and I, I have to say it was fun it's fun working with her because she, she really, she and Zach in New York, uh, Zach Scharf, our ace news reporter in New York, um, they were just I have to say, Eric, we kicked ass here at CinemaCon, if I may be so bold. I've been enjoying it from afar. Try to keep your, your money safe in the next couple hours. Bye-bye. talk to you soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply